It's scary. I know I'm going to have to pay for this later on, but in the name of Jesus, we're going to rebuke that. (laughs) All right. So I want to talk to you guys about denial, bondage. We talked about worry. We talked about forgiveness. We talked about what else we talk about. We talked about fear. Today we're going to talk about bondage. And, And if you know anything about fear, you know anything about worry, you know anything about any of those things, you know that in itself, that is bondage. Right. So we're going to talk about that. But I I was going through my reading. Let's pray first. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for this opportunity to gather tonight, God. We thank you for an opportunity to get around and hear your word, Lord. Father God, we ask that you just take over right now, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, let me decrease so you can increase. In Jesus' name. So I was going through my reading. And this wasn't a part of the sermon, but I just had to put it in there because it was so good. It's uh, John... 8th chapter, 31, 31st verse. And it says, uh, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. Now, this is Jesus talking to believers. Yeah. He's talking to believers. Yeah. And believers, are, we're, we're funny folk. We're funny folk. He said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Come on. But first, you got to do what? you got to abide. Wow. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He calls those believers. They say, they answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? This blows my mind, because I was just thinking, you know, and I'm not a scholar. I'm not a Bible scholar. But I know a little bit about the Old Testament, and I know a little bit about Jewish history. There was a lot of bondage during for, for them, wasn't it? On, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of bondage. So this is like, this is, this is the, the best example of hashtag denial that I could ever find. Yeah. All right? They say they have never been in bondage. Yeah, right. And we are the exact same way. It doesn't matter what we're going through. It doesn't matter what people have seen. They're telling us all this stuff about ourselves. The first thing we say is, that's not me. Come on. That, that's not me. What are you talking about? Uh. 
So Jesus, I love Jesus because he's so bold and he's just going to tell it like it is. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to what? The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I love that. Free indeed. But first, who has to set you free? Jesus. So we talked about worry. We talked about unforgiveness and fear. They're all bondages that stop us from moving forward in Jesus. But what if I tell you tonight, and y'all can take my word for it, what if I tell you that everything, every bondage that you have in your life, every situation that you've been going through, that it has been already won? Come on. Come on. Yeah. That the victory has already been given. Come on. You don't have to listen to me, but I'm going to prove it to you. He says, Jesus what if I tell you that you've already been, you already have the victory? That through the blood of Jesus, we already have been forgiven of all our sins. Would that be enough to take you out of your denial? Would that be enough to say, okay, all right, since I've already been forgiven, I guess I have this problem that I could take to Jesus. You see, God has already forgiven you. He's already healed your body. He's already commanded his blessings upon you. He's already given you love, joy, and peace. But we're still looking for God to respond. We're still looking to God to respond to our prayers. When he's already saying, I don't need to respond to your prayers. You need to respond to me. You need to respond to the answer that I've already given you, which is in Jesus Christ. And that sounds simple. I know it sounds simple. But this is where so many Christians are missing it. They know that God can do these things. We believe it. We sing it in the songs. We were just singing it. We come to the altar. We give it up. Then we go right, right, but right before we walk away, we grab it back. Because it keeps us company. Our bondages, they're comfortable. Let's just be real. Because if it, you weren't getting something from it, you wouldn't do it. Yeah. I tell it to my, everybody that I talk to on a daily basis. When they come in my office, the first thing I tell them, I said, they say, well, I'm tired of this. I am sick and tired of living like this. And I say, I hear you. But let's get something out the way first. What are you getting from it? There is something that you're getting from every behavior yeah. in your life. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. You're getting something from it. Otherwise, you would not do it. But if you, if you admit that thing, if you put it out there, then we can start to move on from it. But the problem is, when we're living in hashtag denial, we are afraid to go forward. Yeah. Yeah. See, the problem is denial, what denial is, is it's, it's a, a belief system that we place over something in order to protect ourselves from that situation. Protect ourselves from the reality of it. So sometimes it's obvious and we're doing it on purpose, and then sometimes it's not. You know, we're not, we don't realize that we're doing it, but we are. We're trying to protect ourselves from a something that it hurts. Sometimes it just hurts to be real, right? Yeah. 
So I want to talk about that for a little while. Is that okay? That's okay? So what's our key scripture? 2 Timothy 1.7, let's bring that up. What does it say? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So let's focus on, let's focus on power. Let's focus on power. John 8, 30, I'm sorry. See, God, look at this next, this next slide. The next slide. That's not the slide. God, here we go. God has given each and every one of us power, but not only, not only power, but the power that comes with what? Authority. Authority. So I was in the military, and one of the things in the military is, is that you have a commander, and the commander, he can't be everywhere at the same time. So he has to give people what we call positional authority. Okay? So basically, we're operating in his command. We're operating in his place when he's not there. He has given us authority. How many of you believe right now that Jesus Christ has given us authority? He has given us authority over every spirit that we come in contact with, over every situation in your life, over every disease. He is giving us authority. Do you believe that? So we believe through God that we can lay hands on people and they'll be healed. Right? The scriptures that we're talking about says power. God has given us power to overcome spirits. Look at this scripture in Romans 8, 37. He says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. What does it mean to be more than a conqueror? To be more than a conqueror means that you already have the victory. That has already been given and that all you have to do is walk in it. That's what it means to be more than a conqueror. That we have already been placed in it. Now, You've already got the victory, but guess what? Now you got to go through. You got to go through that situation. So according to the scripture, you, me, we've been given the power to overcome every sickness, every disease, every lack, everything else that comes against us. That's why the Apostle Paul tells us God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if you realize that you have power and you have authority, Why would you fear? How can you fear something that you've already whipped? I had a a, a bully when I was growing up. This guy's name was Chachi. Chachi. Chachi was big. I mean, this dude, he was huge. And he was scary because, I mean, he had all these tattoos in his face, and he just had this scary thing about him. And um, one day... He did something, and I, I was just done. I said, I'm going to whip him. I'm going to whip him. So I went out. I waited for him. I knew he was coming. And I knew once he saw me, he was going to do what he normally does. He comes up to me to try to whoop me. I put a whooping on that boy so good. And what, what, what was so crazy about it is the first time in my life that I stood up to him, he ran. He ran for me. So now, and, and, and ever since then, I walk down the street with pride and my head held high because I know that the guy that has been whooping me all my life, I have whooped. So there was no need for me to fear walking down the street anymore because I wasn't scared of him anymore. 
You already have the victory over the devil and over his means. You have the victory over it. There's no need to be scared or afraid of anything. Amen? But some of us, we're still walking around like we, like we don't have power. Every day I, walk with pe- I work with people that are in bondage. And on, I don't want to give my secrets up, but to be totally honest with you, I don't really do much. I get paid a lot of money to tell people stuff that they really already know. And I, and I, I love my job. But the thing is, that if they understood the power that they have, then they wouldn't need the situation that they're in. They wouldn't need to, to come to me. They wouldn't need it because all I do is just point the way. That's all I do is I point the way. I point the way to Jesus. And, and they tell me that I can't talk about Jesus, but I do. Because if we're going to really help people, that's what we need to do. And addicts love to give themselves names. They love to say stuff about themselves. I'm an addict, or I'm a crackhead, or I'm a this, and I'm a that. You know, Jabez refused to be called a name. He he refused. He was tired of people calling him something that he didn't agree with in his spirit. So if you agree with these things in your spirit, then walk with it. You're going to be allowed to do that. But if you're tired of what people are calling you, if you're tired of feeling a certain way, then stop letting people call you those things. Not only that, stop calling yourself that. That's the first thing we have to do is we have to attack the mindset. We have to attack the mindset and the tapes that they've been playing over and over again to themselves. When I first got injured, really later on after the injury, I went to a, uh, a, I went to a doctor. And no one could figure out why I was in so much pain. And it was really bothering me because I thought I was crazy. And I was in so much pain all the time. I finally went to the doctor, and the doctor said, Robert, you have fibromyalgia. And I remember being relieved that I'm not crazy. I remember saying to myself, okay, now I can go on. Okay? So I go to my physical therapist, and I tell her, I'm just proud I got fibromyalgia. And she looks at me, and she says, okay. Don't wear it as a badge. She says that so many times people come in there with all these different ailments, and every time they get a diagnosis, they're ready to buy the shirt. They're ready to wear the hat and do the march. You know, they're ready to wear that diagnosis like it's a badge of honor. She said, don't do that. Don't do that. And God doesn't want you to do that either. We are not the things that people said we are. We are not cancer. We are not addicts. We are mighty people of God that have been redeemed by a loving Savior. And he has told us that we have nothing, absolutely nothing to fear. Amen? Amen. I, I like what Pete said last week. Pete said that even though Christians have been saved, they can still be in bondage. Consequently, they are unable to gain the victory over debt, disease, and depression. One of the things I like to tell people, they say, uh, they come off and they say, well, I'm depressed. I said, no, you're not depressed. You're doing depression. Depression is something that you do. Okay? Now, there are some people that are clinically depressed, 
and they need help. But there are some people that just do depression. What does it mean to do depression? We not getting out of bed. We all messed up in the face all the time. We not dressing ourselves. We not taking shop. These are things that we're doing to do depression. Okay? There is nothing in your head that tells you don't take a shower. There's something that you choose to do or not to do. But some Christians, we don't, some Christians don't believe that they can be free. But through the blood of Jesus, we are free from every bondage. Because Christ's sacrifice and the spilling of his blood on our behalf, we can trust in righteousness of Christ and not our own. As believers, we know that we cannot stand on our own merit or because our own, on our own deeds. We know that our good deeds are what? It's filthy rags before God. So what else does he say? He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. What does it mean to be in a spirit of love? God poured out his love on us on the cross. Everything he went through was because of love. You think if God loves you, that he wants you to stay in bondage? Think about that. That he went through the cross. He went through the, the, the cross was terrible. If you know anything about it, you know that he suffered. That at the end, he was unrecognizable. All of that, and we still don't believe that God loves us. God does not want you to be in bondage. What a wonderful sacrifice that Jesus has made for each and every one of us. The love of Jesus should penetrate deep into our hearts. For all of us, his love was and is so great that instead of letting us die trapped in our sin like we deserved and separated from him, he took our place. Not only did Christ go through rejection by his own people, not only did he endure the beatings, not only did he get put on the cross, but he endured one of the things that none of us want to go through. At the end of all things, he endured separation from God. He endured that separation from God so we did not have to do it. So we didn't have to go through that. And at the end, he tells us that we are his own. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As is written for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We is regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are what? More than conquerors. Through who? Him who has loved us. Oh, I am sure that neither death nor life Because a lot of times we have a problem with both, death and living life. Nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, or height or death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. Our love is not like that. 
Our love is so finicky. Once you mess, me, mess with me, I'm done. I'm done. That's a lot of people are like that. That soon you upset them, they're ready to take their love. And that's not love. That's not love. And a lot of times it's happening right here in the church. What I love about this verse is that Paul says not neither death or life can separate us. Nothing in this life, no bondage, no situation you're going through can separate you from God's love. What can separate you is your own thinking. That's why we have to come to control of our own mindset. Because if we know that God, we know that nothing can separate us from God's love, then why do we operate outside of it? Yeah. Amen? Amen? And the last part of that verse talks about a sound mind, which is where I really want to focus tonight. For as we have heard, we are given power and we're given love. We have power in the blood of Jesus. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. Even though he has given us a sound mind, it is our own thinking that keeps us in bondage. That's why the word says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. See, the enemy loves to put thoughts in the believer's minds. That's, That's how he operates. He feeds your belief system with lies. He feeds it. So if you believe people don't love you, he's going to continue to tell you that. Amen? And those thoughts, if you continue to meditate on them, they're what produces strongholds and bondages in your life. All because you listen to the devil and not to the spirit of God that lives in you. So we often wonder how a person can stand denial because Satan continues to supply lies to their belief system. So there are three ways our thinking keeps us in bondage. So look at this for me. One, thing, one we misplace God in our life. Yeah. Two, we allow the lies of the enemy to run free in our minds. And three, we, believe to, we begin to isolate. So let's look at we misplace God in our life. We have to learn to put God in his proper place. So if you look at a person's life, you can see where God really stands with them when you maybe listen to their music or you follow them around. You can see where God really ranks on a list of importance. One of the things that we like to talk about in my job is um, the basic needs. So look at this for me. Basic needs. Now, these are needs that if you... if Today hit the zombie apocalypse hit, all right, and uh, every one of us was zombies. The only thing that would remain is these things. Okay, these are the basic building blocks. Addictionologists believe that this is where addiction goes wrong at, down way deep in the brain, the oldest part of the brain. They believe this is where addiction goes wrong. They believe that this lineup gets messed up. So we see first we say food, okay. Shelter, love, self-worth, and freedom. Pretty much, I think that hits it for everybody, right? These are important things for us. But see, what happens, this gets messed up. If we introduce a drug to this, it starts looking like this. You see, the drug moves up the ladder. 
it takes over self-worth. So no longer do I, I have any self-worth. And you see people do all kinds of things when they're on drugs. And you're wondering, how could they do such a thing? Because the drug has taken over self-worth. Then it moves up to love, and love can represent family members, and we wonder how they can hurt us so bad because the drug has taken over the love area of our brain. Shelter. They don't pay the rent. They get evicted. They start living on the streets. This is starting during late-stage late stage addiction. Food. They stop eating. They stop eating. And you see the drug is in the top spot. The drug is number one. And you see there that freedom is not on there at all. Because they have given up their freedom the first time they took the drug. The, the drug took freedom away. You understand that? See, the drug is on the top spot and freedom is gone. So instead of food when I'm hungry, I want the drug. Instead of shelter when I'm cold, I want the drug. Instead of the rent money, it goes to the drug. This is where the thought process goes wrong. But this is not just the person that's going through the addiction. A lot of times, the person that's helping them, the enabler, goes through the exact same process. So it starts looking like something like this. So an enabler is a person who, whose behavior makes it possible for the person to continue a certain behavior. They're doing things that makes it possible, okay? They're, they're giving them excuses at work, all right? Instead of coming to church, they tell them the pastor that he at home sick, all right? They, they build these lies with them to protect them. So this is what it looks like for an enabler. Okay? Oh, no, that's not it. Okay, so the enab- an enabler, it looks like that person has taken the top spot. So the exact same way the drug has taken the top spot, then the, the addict has taken that top spot also. Their behavior, chasing them around all day, following them around, bailing them out of jail, all those things that the addict is, is in bondage, but also the enabler is in bondage also. It's the exact same process. So a lot of times when people come to my office, I tell them, not just the mother that came with them, but the mother needs to go to, the mother needs to go to treatment also. She needs help also. Because what she's been doing is every time he gets sick, she gives him the money to go get his drugs. She gives him the money to go get his drugs. Because she doesn't want to see her baby sick. I'll tell him every day, let him throw up. I don't care. He gets sick, let him get sick. He said, how can you say that? Get sick. You'll be okay. All right. Withdrawal is God's way of saying you did something wrong, and now you got to go through a process to get it right. That's what withdrawal is, and it's, it's good for you. Okay? So the drug's at the top spot and freedom is gone. So instead of food, I read that. Okay, so let's keep going. It becomes a parallel process that's fueled by the need and the, the need to be loved and to feel something from the person or the, addict, the addict. By enabling you help the addict or the alcoholic avoid taking the hard steps towards recovery. And this can promote an increasing severity in their addiction. Things get worse. But just like how the drug has taken the top spot, that person has also. So we have to start standing up 
and saying, I'm not going to go down this road of being an enabler anymore. All right. I'm going to give that person tough love. Now, that don't mean throwing them out in the cold, but that means not making it possible for that person to get the drugs that they need to show them, hey, I'm going to walk with you through this process, but I'm not going to help you in this process. I'm not going to help you continue on in the same situation that you're in. Amen? Amen. Two, we allow the, the lies of the enemy to run free in our minds. Second Corinthians 10th chapter, 5th verse, it says, We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So what we have to do is when those thoughts start coming in our mind, we have to get, take them captive. What does that mean? A lot of times when a person comes in, in the office, they say that their mom has told them things about themselves. People play these tapes over and over again. Dad has told them that he'll never amount to anything. All right? The devil, what he does is he takes that lie and he multiplies it. He multiplies it. So when they're in, they're in their quiet time, the devil's continuing to play those tapes, continue to play those tapes. And, they, and that keeps them in bondage because they don't believe they could ever be anything. So what we have to do is replace those tapes that the enemy has, has played over and over in our head. How do we replace them? We replace them with the word of God. Because if you listen to Satan lies, he'll continue to feed you more. And it will grow into a stronghold. A lie that is believed or incorrect thinking pattern. Your feelings are quite often a direct result of your thoughts. If you think you're a failure, you're going to feel like one. And this is why it's important to read the word of God and fill your mind with the word. One of the things I do with my patients is have them focus on replacing those negative thoughts. They have to replace those tapes. So I, they read the word. Or they'll play, they'll, they'll watch, the, they'll look at themselves in a the mirror and say good things about themselves. Things that they can start believing. If they continue to say them over and over again, they'll believe them. And if they just get that thought pattern going in their mind, they'll start feeling it. And they'll start operating in that same victory. Amen? Those are the tapes that need to be taped over and replaced by the word of God. Psalms 119 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your statues. See, God has given us all a sound mind and he expects us to fill it with good things. So I focus my mind on everything that is true, everything that is noble, everything that is right and pure, lovely, admirable and excellent. I want to experience those types of thoughts when I go to sleep at night. Because I'm going to sleep so much better, and I'm going to have peace. The last thing that helps our thought pattern is we begin to isolate. There was a time in my life where I was really going through something. I was getting, getting ready to leave the Navy, and I was really, really doing depression hard. And I remember the devil talking to me, and he would say to me, kill myself. And it was at one point where I was really, really feeling like this was going to happen. I was really feeling like I was going to do it. And that same night, I had choir practice. Because just because you're a leader of a church and you're, you're in a choir doesn't mean that you don't go through these things, especially if you're not vigilant. And I wasn't. So what I did is I went to choir practice, and when we got ready to pray, 
I outed the devil in front of everybody. I said, this is what I'm going through right now. And the devil's telling me to kill myself. And everybody in that room gathered around me. And we began to pray and take that off of me. Those are the things you have to do. You have to put the devil on front street. You have to show him as a liar that he is and let everyone know that this is what he's telling me so they can gather around you. There is, uh, um, if you watch these African videos and you see like when the, the zebra or the gazelle's out there, you have the weak one. He kind of falls back when everybody's running. And what does the lion do? They pick him off. He picks them off. That's why First Peter, fifth chapter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a what? A roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's exactly what he's doing. That's exactly what he's doing. He is looking for someone. He's looking for the weak link so he can devour them. What happens? If you'll see that those gazelles and those zebras, they'll gather around that sick one and they'll, they'll build a circle and a hedge of protection around that sick one so the lion can't get to them. That's what we do here in this church. We build protection around each other. So when we're feeling a certain way and we're feeling like the devil is really getting to us, we can build a hedge of protection around us. That's why it's important to stay in the house. That's why it's important. And I tell anybody that I counsel, that is not the time Come on, to go away from the church. Come on. The devil is smart. Yeah. He's going to make sure you get a new job. Come on. Come He's going to make sure something comes along that pulls you away. And it happens every time. The minute you need help is the minute that he's going to find something to pull you away from the church. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Proverbs 27, chapter 17, verse says, iron sharpens iron. And one man sharpens another. Yeah. It's important for us to gather around strong men and strong women when we're going through bondages. But a lot of times what we do is we, fear, we have fear that we're going to be judged. So we don't tell anybody that we're having this problem. That we're going through this situation. We don't want anybody to know. And that's when the devil takes over. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. The truth is, you already have the victory. Come on. And if you walk in that victory that God has given you, we talked about that authority that has already been given you, then you will live a life that's fully lived. Come on. Amen? First yeah. John 19th chapter. 1 John 19, chapter 31 says, when Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. If Jesus said it is finished, if he said it is finished, it is finished. You've already got the victory. Over those bondages. He is already, you have already won the battle. He said it was finished. And I believe Jesus tonight. Do you believe him? 
Do you believe that it is finished, that it is done, that every situation, every disease that has been, every diagnosis that has been placed over your life is finished? Amen? So stand with me tonight. I believe Jesus' word. I believe it with all my heart. And there's times where I, I, I feel those thoughts start coming in my head. There's times where I need to be around my pastor. And I need to be around other people that love me. And that's what we do here tonight. We want to gather around you. So with every head bowed, I really want you to search your heart. Search the deep parts of your heart. Hebrews 10, 11th verse says, And every priest stands daily at the service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all times a single sacrifice for sin, it says he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for the time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all times those who are being sanctified. The priest would never sit down if it wasn't done. He would never say it was finished if it wasn't true. So tonight, if you're going through a bondage, we just want to pray with you tonight. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Yeah.